Phil's Breakfast Metal episode 98. So in the run-up to episode 100, I actually have that episode already recorded and ready to release. And because I'm quite excited to put it out, I'm going to do two slightly shorter episodes in rapid succession. Uh, so we can get to that one pretty quickly. Doesn't mean these will be any less uh, research, just won't be as long as usual. So the theme for this episode is sort of cool death metal albums from 2021 in that more kind of experimental, dissonant, sort of brutal uh, vein. I've, I've got, bought a couple of albums in the last couple of weeks I thought will fit really well together, so I thought this would be a nice um, topic for a more condensed episode. So it starts with me to go on with one of the most intense and probably challenging albums of the lot. This is Tumba de Carne with their debut album Decatas slash Perpetual Altar. Um, the band name Tumba de Carne loosely translates, I believe, to Tomb of Meat, which is incredibly appropriate sounding and they play this kind of brand of highly technical death metal meets kind of I mean almost that extreme end of sludge influence where their kind of main thing seems to be playing around with incredibly complex rhythms like their songs are real head scratches when you focus on what's going on if you let the atmosphere take you the album is just completely um like, kind of overwhelming in terms of the the really apocalyptic atmosphere it's creating. So it's five tracks, only half an hour runtime, and that is perfect for this kind of sound. The This five-piece create just, just one of the most hard-to-deal-with noises I've heard in a while. It's spectacular, but it is so overwhelming. So front and centre in the mix in this is uh, drummer uh, Matteo Castillo, who just is forever changing. He isn't so much like just straight blasting for this. It's just constant different rhythmic approaches every couple of seconds. Whereas the guitars actually give the sort of that element a lot of space. Like sometimes they are just chugging along in time with the, the drums, but when that happens they're kind of um, lower in the mix and often the guitar will just sit on a horrendously dissonant chord while a drum fill that like sort of the other guitar and bass follows happens. And so you have these kind of bursts of odd timings versus really dissonant chords. And then very much um, following his own path through all of this like wildness, uh, Matthias Fontana, the vocalist, does this kind of um, very distorted, low, kind of almost sort of hardcore sludge-esque scream over the top of it, often adding his own interesting rhythmic passages. I quite like the little touches as well, like that he mainly goes for that lower distorted, um, like kind of growl, but every so often he throws in these highs that just go for ages and sound incredibly pained and intense. Um, and then there's often like little other weird, this is like strange bits of additional percussion or at least like slightly atypical kit for a, a metal drummer kind of thrown in there. I've only noticed it a few times, but again, like, this album only came out sort of very late September, so I've, I have far from fully digested its weirdness. Primarily, this is a very fast sort of grinding album, but there are moments like the middle of uh, Odeon, the, the centre track of it, where the riffs, like, almost come to a complete halt into this, like, real slow dissonant soundscapey stuff and then just the drummer will throw in these like completely bizarre fills every so often and leave gaps and there'll be moments of screaming and disperse it just like even when it slows down it doesn't stop being any 
like remotely as relentless as it was in the fast parts. It, it is unsettling and upsetting throughout, and occasionally like just going into massive patches of like feedback or horrendous kind of guitar noise to um, kind of signal the transitions between songs. It's an exhausting listen for half an hour, but some incredibly experimental and wonderfully technical musicianship. This was actually, I, I saw, shared initially by um, Crypticus, who described this album as basically just being jazz. And I think he's kind of spot on this. Like, it, in terms of that level of, like, experimentation and, like, not sticking to anything that resembles a normal riff structure, uh, Tumba de Carne definitely have that down. They, they're doing something very unique and very unsettling here. So the next few bands I'm going to cover, I believe are sort of some of the people taking the torch forward from that kind of school of blood incantation, dead congregation, grave miasma type death metal. The very kind of experimental, almost sort of occult or ritual feeling stuff that is somehow still massively technical and complex while having a clear nod to like the old school of both black and death metal but never kind of succumbing to the issues a lot of um, modern technical metal has with production, like staying very kind of raw and atmospheric. So the first of these um, I want to cover is one I'm going to have a great deal with the name of. I believe it's pronounced something in the lines of Krixicor, um, spelled Q-R-I-X-K-U-O-R. I'll, I'll spell that again at the end. With their uh, debut album for this year, Poisonous... Palin Sapia. So this album had a lot of things going for it before I even got to the music. Uh, the cover is an amazing piece by uh, Daniel Carrera. Um, this really insane kind of red and purple image of like a sort of person's head coming apart in a kind of very psychedelic style. Really cool stuff. It's made up of two 25 minute long songs which is a very cool structure if you can pull it off. Put out on Dark Descent Records and the band features two uh, members of the amazing uh, black and death metal band uh, Adoria. Um, if, if you never checked out their um, album Author of Incest is, is fantastic. One of them, uh, DBH, also drums for uh, the aforementioned Grave Miasma, so we can see where some of that's going. So there's certainly some traits of those bands. They, they have that, like, blood incantation, echoey, far away death metal feel with these really low vocals that are kind of 
very washed out and far back in the mix. And the same with the, like a lot of the guitar work, he's kind of not always like right at the forefront when you would expect with such like um, riffy kind of music. But what they do that I've not, I don't think I can think of another example that pulls it off quite to the same level as these guys, is they make these 24-minute songs feel completely coherent and logical progressions. There's huge amounts of elements to them. Like, they go from these, like, wildly technical sections to, like, you know, your full-on just, like, blast beat areas, then, like, really doomy passages, complete with, like, atmospheric touches. Both the two songs have these, like, piano intros that feel very natural progressions into the track. There's, um... There's playing with dissonance, not to the same extent as the last band. This is, again, it does remain pretty much catchy throughout, albeit there's there's things to overcome. You need to sort of learn this sound to an extent, I'd say, or at least I do personally. Um, some of you might have got into these kind of bands like the second you heard them. For me, I find these these albums do take a while to like sort of digest and start to... Um, analyze there's also some like very odd flourishes like halfway through the second song of the album there's almost like orchestral breakdown with a kind of like yeah kind of kind of quite synth orchestra feel um keyboard sections over this middle part which again it just works it, it does feel like a a totally natural progression the other thing i uh, really enjoy is the fact that some of their leads are actually kind of catchy and like well not catchy sorry like kind of melodic like they have moments of actually like just coolly guitar work whereas it doesn't have the thing like a lot of bands in the genre do where the lead guitar work is just this kind of insane shred that like is kind of defies analysis just that sort of you know the 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 slayer kind of solo taken to the nth degree they do throw in those or they hold dive bomb kind of things but it's there is moments where you just get like a a cool tapping lead comes in and it just sounds very, uh yeah very kind of fitting and and it just gives you something kind of cool to latch in onto in all the kind of chaos. So with the lineup, um, uh, we have like one guy who seems to be, I, I believe the main person responsible for it. So the band's been going from two thousand eleven and S, who I think is a newer member to Adoria, um is doing both guitar and vocals. Like, he's had a previous lineup that were with him till around 2016, but then he had a recruiter, DBH and VK, uh, who were both these kind of ludicrously um, seasoned musicians in on bass and uh, drums. So I don't have a lot more to add to that. Um, uh, Krixikor, or uh, <laughs> Q-R-I-X-Q-U-O-R, have put forth an incredible debut, um... The, across the board, like, it's 50-minute runtime, and I don't think there's a wasted minute. Massive songs that feel completely logical progressions. And overall, the album sounds amazing. I love the kind of mix they've gone for. They, they really have sort of... I know they, they have, like, demos and EP ahead of this, but they really have nailed that full length right out of the gate and come up with something truly special and kind of unique in a field that is very popular at the moment. I, I think if you're into... Particularly, yeah, bands like Grave Miasma definitely check this one out. It's it's an incredible release.
nicer we have an album in a bit more of a, I guess, accessible vein, but still thoroughly brutal and incredibly inventive. This is, I believe, Warflurch with their debut album, yet another debut, Psychedelic Realms of Hell. Uh, the name spelt W-H-A-R-F-L-U-R-C-H. And they're from Florida and they play, I'm going to say psychedelic death metal, which might already for some people have alarm bells ringing, but like, this is actually psychedelic. Like, weirdly, they, they have pulled off something that I've not really heard another band quite get this sound right. So, so the album opens with these like really cool synths and you might be thinking, okay, this would be like a, a Lion's Daughter type affair. But actually what uh, Warflutch get right, which I've not really heard in, in particularly in this kind of like more like brutal death metal vein is the guitars and synths just sort of meld together and feel like a totally natural flow. The synths don't feel like a cool layer they added on top of everything right at the end. Like, they feel very sort of calculated, just part of everything that's going on. And it's kind of what leads to that, like, psychedelic air. Um, the first trap proper kicks off, and it is just heavy, brutal riffing. But where you get the um, the kind of, I say, psychedelic element, it's any point where sort of we get to a bit of lead guitar. Because rather than going, again, for the kind of... Um, chaotic noise uh lead guitarist Stephen Klein will come in with like these really awesome melodic solos that will suddenly be backed by kind of like swelling synth passages still over kind of hefty rhythm parts so it's it's kind of there's a lot going on there there is almost as well like some very strange doom elements going on. Like the, I got the impression the album's going to be very fast from the opening few minutes, but actually it slows down, and when using those sort of synths to, to great effect, it almost goes into Evoken-esque doom territory with, you know, some of those kind of cool open chords next to that stuff. It, it's a very kind of chaotic album in terms of all the ideas they brought together. But it just works perfectly. It's got a really lovely flow as well because each track ends into this kind of synth thing with with this like kind of cool robot voice over the top of it. Think, you know, not a million miles off the the cynic vocoder voice. Um, just like to bridge each song, and it all feels kind of natural. I mean, the the best thing about this is still the kind of like the the brutal like assault of when all these sort of guitars and vocals are going, it's, like, it is an incredibly heavy, like, aggressive album. Like, there is, like, removing all the kind of more original elements, there are just some straight-up brilliant death metal riffs on here. You take the, the opening riff to the title track, Psychedelic Realms of Hell, just sounds like the greatest riff never used in the early Finnish death metal scene. And then that coupled with the kind of more obviously kind of brutal American, like, death metal vocals of John Mamo. It just sounds absolutely, like, spectacular. So it appears uh, the band was, I think, primarily led by uh, Mick Colby, who, like, sort of was the main guy behind all their kind of EPs and demos they put out ahead of this. Like, they seem to have quite a vast catalogue before they got to this release between now and forming in 2019. So, like, he's clearly been very focused with this. But it's brought us an incredible final product. The thing I haven't even mentioned, actually, as well, is cover's amazing. It is very hard to look at a whole... 
uh, a kind of like exploding body in this like sea of pinks and lime greens and oranges like a real intense thing to look at but it is so perfectly encapsulating the kind of the sound of the band. There's a slight Sanguisugaborg connection. Cody Drasser, drummer of Sanguisugaborg, is responsible for mastering this album. And the album sounds fantastic. I, I, I mean, full credit to the band themselves. Uh, I think uh, Mick, I, I believe, was in charge of a lot of that element of the recording. But yeah, the whoever it was, like this, this album's come out sounding absolutely fantastic. So if you want to go for the kind of like most psychedelic uh, death metal album, this side of Dripping, I definitely advise you to check out um, Warfledge's Psychedelic Realms of Hell. Next is the first like non-debut we're covering today. This is Norway's Discord, spelled with a K, and their third album, Degenerations. Um, you may have heard a bit about this one. I think there's been some fair buzz around this. This is another band doing some jazzy stuff in their sound, but taking it in a very different uh, direction. The thing that immediately drew me into this uh, album is there is incredible bass playing on it. And not just like showy bass playing it's huge in the mix and regularly doing weird weird interesting stuff um the band have been going for absolutely ages but um uh they've only put out sort of three albums at that time i think all the members are quite active in a lot of sort of odd projects uh, around uh, norway doing some very out there weird death metal um so yeah, this this album actually, in many ways, is quite digestible because it is so. Um, the songs are quite short to the point. It's like twelve tracks in in under like just over forty minutes. Sorry, and there's loads of cool different ideas. And while the songs are very complex and odd, there's loads to latch onto. As I mentioned, there is like all the way throughout this, the bass doing incredibly technical stuff with. A massive array of different effects and like various kind of weird ideas um, attached to how it sounds. They seem to be one of those bands where primarily the sort of the bass and drums sort of 
take the lead in steering the songs and then the guitar is doing a lot of these kind of weird dissonant odd chords over stuff but where like say a band like um ulcerate would use that just to be focused and upsetting throughout these guys take a lot of opportunity to just turn songs in really strange directions uh track two uh biomech 2 maternal has this kind of breakdown in the second half with like just this very simple sort of collection of two notes repeated on the bass like this really simple groove with this strange ringing out chord and then just throughout discord seemed to purposely be taking bizarre left turns from like what you would i guess what would be traditional for a dissonant sort of techie death metal band to do like there's there's so like that track itself has this like bass intro to it that is sort of really kind of like iconic and memorable it, it's one it's like a truly great bass intro to a song but then goes into a track that is just truly bizarre like that so this band are a power trio where all three members do vocals and the vocals tend to be this higher like distorted rasping noise there's a few different voices in there and i don't know who's responsible for which but my favorite is there's definitely one that sounds like real obscure era Gorguts uh, Luke Lemay like the, the really off kilter like strange high-pitched scream that just sounds incredibly bad for the person doing it but you know they've recorded it so <laughs> they're, they're clearly capable and it, it, it sounds utterly amazing yeah I I love the kind of wild technicality and the ambition of the songwriting um it's it is still kind of coherent in feel it's just kind of a lot because it's just this constant sort of weird jazzy fury um the the guitar sometimes when, it, when it's not doing as i say the dissonant chords it goes for the sort of lead sections quite regularly and the lead sections particularly taken out of context of the songs really feel like that moment in like say like an 80s like cartoon where a character will take drugs and like the psychedelic noise will come in i think the track gnashing has a particularly great example of this which is like the sort of wacky bending guitar switching from ear to ear is totally yeah you know the the musical um representation of someone tripping from the 80s which fits perfectly with what discord are doing yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed this i i like the kind of the times where they sort of deviate and throw some weird stuff in there like the kind of odd post-rock noise of Lone Survivor makes for a great kind of interlude around the halfway mark and these songs are incredibly memorable while being so kind of outwardly experimental and strange.
Next up, we have what has got to stand as easily one of my favorite demos I've ever heard. So this is the first release from the Quebec-based band Flesh of Once Demented and their debut demo, Slowly Grinding at the Mills of Gods. It is... It's basically a full album. It's, you know, four tracks of 32 minutes. It has this fantastically trippy cover art of this, like, tentacle-based monster. Um, and the only thing I'd say that, like, really kind of highlights it as a demo is the very sort of clearly programmed drums. So we're, we're more in that kind of vein of the, the sort of death slash kind of... The atmospheric doomy metal again, like that very kind of complex, lots of riffs, uh, slowly evolving structures. And it's all performed by one musician who goes by Jotun. Um, I don't know anything beyond beyond them. Uh, there, there's no kind of links to them on Metal Archive, so I don't know who this guy is. But they are incredible. The Their vocals are this brilliant sort of... Um, incoherent low that occasionally kind of builds out into these higher, more intense screams. The guitar work, but the whole guitar tone sounds fantastic. And he, he plays these, like, it, it's it's more um, kind of riffy and followable than, say, bands like Discord or uh, Toombra at the start. Um, but it just sounds so damn heavy. And so... I would have initially guessed, particularly from the cover and the um, the album title, is going to be very Lovecraft theme stuff. But apparently, the the entire lyrical themes are based around Zoroastrianism, which, reading off of Google, is the oldest continuously practiced religion in the world. Uh, which which is an interesting. That's that's kind of a unique uh, take in metal, and it resulted in some like really cool song titles. Um, uh, of dreadful wounds and the leniency of the sun, the shores at the ire of their subconscious slumber. Like, it feels like if the um, uh, Demolich song titles weren't quite so sort of chaotic and broken English, like, they, they, they create this really cool atmosphere. And as I say, it's four tracks, so these are really long songs, particularly the first and third one, coming over the 10-minute mark. But they are these wonderful progressions through kind of your faster, more blasting death metal into kind of slower, doomier sex. In the first track, we even get some hints of, like, a sort of uh, Middle Eastern, like, folk inf instruments coming over some of the slower moments. Like, at the centre of the song, there's this kind of almost clean break but then it goes back into the more grinding intensity but those like those sort of uh tones are still there they come back echoing over the really heavy sections it's a great moment in the second track actually where things slow to like a real like just ringing out chords and they're just playing these kind of um just these really twisted chords over essentially empty space from the other instruments that just sounds I know, really kind of creepy. The whole album has that thing of simultaneously being brutal and quite unsettling. It's a, it's got a very consistent atmosphere to it. And as I say, the only thing that lets it down is that, that sort of drum sound sounding very kind of 
it's just normal program drums. Like it just very clearly you've got slightly repetitive cymbal sounds and that in there. And if this was a full length release, maybe that would be a problem. But the fact this is a demo is is ridiculous. Um, it's it's just incredible. I I cannot wait to hear a full length from this band. I would love there to be a kind of yeah, them to go into studio and get a like an even fuller sound because. What they've got so far is truly spectacular. So it's only came out, uh, I think, like almost exactly two weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, it's it is really a really special debut and flesh of the once demented, uh, flesh of once demented. Sorry, are really a band to watch. They are they are doing something very special. Next up, I'm covering Lang with their second album, Jingteng, which is a Taiwanese band, been around since uh, 2018, and a band I came across because the sort of story behind them on Bandcamp was was so intense. So they play a genre of music they refer to as terror black metal. I saw them as being more of a black and death metal band, but I mean, the lines between those genres are so blurred of a lot of these more extreme acts, like I, I wouldn't... Wouldn't want to offend a band by uh, pigeonholing them on that front. Now, this is quoting directly from the Metal Archives. The founder of the band alleges he was shot during a carjacking gone wrong nearly a year ago. He's claimed that the songs he wrote for this project were inspired by his experience while hospitalised and in a coma as a result of the attack. He described his comatose state as being a place beyond hell. I, I, don't, I obviously don't know the truth of that, but... Bloody hell is that a terrifying story for for the uh, kind of setup behind the music. The music itself is actually kind of more accessible than that might imply because to my mind that just implies like the scariest music you, you've actually ever heard. What um, Lang do, they're fairly long songs where they'll sort of move between kind of more brutal blasting sections and then sort of more groove orientated sections and then back to the blasting like the drummer will do a lot of those like really quick blast beat in one style switch it up to another one slow down for like a cool riffy section and then back into the heavy stuff regularly adding kind of melodic elements to the band um 
the the singer is like he was the main guy behind everything up to 2020 and then this album he's brought in a kind of bass player and drummer so i assume like the the previous drums were kind of programmed so he's adding all these brilliant kind of like melodic lead touches in places there's some very kind of melodic elements thrown in these songs but when they're going heavy when then the blasting stuff it's very intense and there's some really tasteful bits of orchestration some great kind of yeah again much like the previous band little touches of like folk um like synthesized folk influence over certain passages that just add another little flavor his vocal approach is kind of like this kind of quite clear like hardcore-esque scream he keeps in this sort of very constant register with it like i'd say they're more of a shout than a scream but it's um it's a really intense delivery that uh massively adds to the songs the mix of this album i think is where it sort of leans towards black metal at least like kind of like uh modern very tight black metal where he's a huge like sort of kick and snare drum sound up up front and then the kind of the bass is quite low in the mix and the guitars are placed in a more like sort of atmospheric spot it's a lot of drums and vocals this album um and as i said like that vocal performance really works for it although his style is quite consistent it does feel um very passionate like there's you can definitely get the sense of the the emotion he's trying to put across like it's a very it's a very upsetting album um but not in the the obvious way i was expecting i was expecting the most dissonant kind of ridiculous off the wall stuff but actually this is is just more more digestible than that i guess the album actually as well takes an interesting turn in the final track where it moves into a kind of almost post-metal type thing i mean think the kind of like a band like the ocean collective at one of their sort of heavier moments we complete with like these almost clean vocals and it, it's it's a really strong closer to the album it it just it wraps things up nicely cover art is is nothing like particularly remarkable like it's this kind of heavily distorted picture of of i believe jellyfish like there's very dark coloring but it just fits the whole the band's whole aesthetic they've definitely like come up with a really complete package here and yeah i, I thoroughly enjoyed this album
Now, one of the total surprise ones uh, this year, but actually very recent release again, is Devoid of Thought's debut, Outer World Graves, put out on Everlasting Spew Records. This is an Italian band formed out of um, the band Warstorm, featuring members of Rejected. And the reason I bring up the older bands is because they're both kind of thrashy bands. Like, kind of, you look at the imagery and everything, very kind of throwback thrash stuff. Outer World Graves is not that at all. The four guys behind this have put together some incredibly well-thought-out, complex, ever-evolving death metal with just, like, an, like, really engaging atmosphere. Very good companion piece to, um... Crixacore, why Why did I have to cover a band with a name I can't say that I want to keep referencing? But the band earlier with a two-song album, very much in, in like in that kind of vein, although I would say this is obviously more accessible. If you check out, say, the track from this album you've got to hear is uh, the third one, Effigies of a Distant Planet. It's this 12-minute long epic that just goes through every genre of extreme music. I swear, it's it starts out with this amazing kind of, you know, that slightly cavernous uh, death metal with those really great, deep, low growls, really kind of atmospheric feel to it. But then it has bursts of, like, proper kind of um, tech death flourishes and then this, like, slow slide into this doomy atmospheric section in the middle. It is just spectacular spectacularly crafted death metal. So what sells me on this beyond the, the just incredible songwriting is the vocal work of Andrea Calaro is just brilliant. I, I absolutely love this guy's like real reverberating rumbling death growl. I just I, I could hear that endlessly. And then the the drum work on this is so much fun. Like they, there's just constant really groovy fills like finding so many great ways to just play something just just immediately engaging to to drive like kind of pull all these riffs together yeah the drum and the drums sound great but yeah they're just such inventive drumming around this like you know really complex well put together death metal complete with a fantastic kind of weird black and white album cover of like a Love Lovecraftian planetscape, which is one of those like gets more twisted the more you look at it. Yeah, Devoid of Thought have come out the gate with something truly incredible. And unlike say some of the other bands we covered, although they were debuts, these are people who'd been around in these scene. These guys, they've come from a different scene. Like this is a far cry from the kind of thrash metal they would have been working on before. While on the subject, the label that put out uh, Devoid of Thoughts, Outer World Graves, is Everlasting Spew, who have been a label I've been, like, sort of becoming more aware of in recent years. But the last couple of months, they have had an incredible run of stuff. Um, I think one of the quite well-known ones, Diabolizer, put out a really amazing death metal album. If you want something in the kind of very uh, rough and raw, old-school Finnish sound. Occult's new album I, they put out a couple of weeks ago, amazing. They got the latest Hideous Divinity, which uh, another brilliant one. And um, based on the single, one I'm as hyped for as that Worm album everyone's uh, 
myself included, is very stoked for. We have uh, burial with inner gateways to the slumbering equilibrium at the centre of the cosmos, which, it, much like our Worm album, is like one of the few things I've sort of pre-ordered this year in sheer excitement based off one absolutely brilliant uh, song. So yeah, definitely a label to keep an eye on. But back to the Devoid of Thought, if you're looking for some sort of progressive, tremolo-picked, very technical, but yet very atmospheric death metal, definitely check this album out. It's it's just so well put together, like really geniusly crafted death metal. So next we have another slightly longer running band. This is Abstractor from Oakland, California, who um, I guess, again, they're not really a, a death metal band. Like they play, according to Metal Archives, Black and Crust Sludge Doom Metal. Um, realistically, though, they play that kind of horrible wall of sound sort of doom where it's just like huge buzzing guitar tone, amazing ultra-low but like still kind of distorted, rasping vocals. The band I got into with their previous album, Cinerous Incarnator, from 2018. And I'd put them more in the Doom camp because the bits of this band that always kind of come to mind are when they slow down, where they have these moments where their brilliant guitar tone will sort of ring out for longer sections and things just get very apocalyptic. But their music is just a complete kind of steamroller when it gets up to the faster stuff they do a lot of kind of blasting sections as well and that coupled with the incredibly brutal um vocal approach just means you just get completely squished by their sound um they've recently for this album teamed up with justin ennis on drums uh pretty like sort of known for void omnia and ulthar uh incredibly decent drummer and normally a sign of quality if he's turned up for your album and while i don't think on uh abomnium like i believe that's how <laughs> i think i've said the album title right I, I don't think they they've kind of completely evolved from their previous sound they're still what they're doing what they do well it's just a case of it just sounds great actually much like say a band like void omnia this isn't reinventing the wheel in terms of um doing this kind of sludge doom, this like really intense noise, but they've just got the tones perfect and the songs are kind of contained enough. Like they have that sort of doom length. They are the, you know, or most of them the, the upper side of five minutes, but none of them drag on past the 10 minute mark. So the, the album doesn't overstay its welcome of 40 minutes. It's just the right amount to be supremely engaging 
while still being, you know, completely kind of overwhelming. And talking about, like, the the sound of the album being really good, much like I did a few episodes back talking about Void Omnia, this is another Earhammer Studios recording, which does just seem to have a running thing of making albums that tonally sound absolutely fantastic. The other thing I want to mention with this Abstractor album um, is the cover is absolutely amazing. It's um, one that at first glance just kind of looks like a kind of messy black and white picture, which, you know, totally fit with the aesthetic. But as you stare at it, there is so much kind of complexity and weirdness and sort of <laughs> varieties of upsetting imagery thrown together there. Absolutely perfect companion for the music on display. So next up is certainly what I think is the most accessible album of the lot we're covering today. This is Crescent with their third album, Carving the Fires of Arquette. Uh, this is a band from Egypt, although I believe they've now moved to Germany, at least according to uh, Metal Archives. And these guys play an incredibly memorable, supremely riff-driven version of death metal. Like, there is nothing kind of... There's no gimmicks here. This is just, like, riff after riff after riff. Like, they are such brilliant writers of this kind of stuff. They also have a kind of production and, like, whole setup that captures this perfectly. Like, we have very kind of expertly played drums with that kind of, you know, highly triggered, beautifully captured sound with the massive kind of full, heavy rhythm thing going on, mixed with just these amazing, tasteful leads. Like, it's not even really solos, it's just these, like, fast tremolo-picked um, lead melodies, and then just, as I say, just riff after riff. If you look at a song like uh, Track 2, Moot Was uh, Set Was, um, it's just, it's six minutes of really engaging, immensely headbangable, mid-paced death metal. It's sort of, obviously they're an Egypt-based band, so there is a bit of that in their sound. Like, unsurprisingly, this does bring to mind Nile, not just in lyrical theme. It doesn't have Nile's, like, sort of wild technicality, but maybe some of their their more slow, kind of, uh, riffy stuff is is far more in this kind of vein. But imagine, you know, the, the ridiculous mixing of something like Nile and something like Bolt Thrower. Just, you know, the kind of catchy riff uh, steamroller with that slight tinge of Egyptian sound to it. Vocalist uh, Ishamali Atala um, has this great kind of, like, quite breathy lower scream. Like, he throws in some higher stuff and uh, I believe the rest of the band all do backing vocals in places. But yeah, his his kind of lead vocal has a a nice amount of brutality to it without ever sort of overpowering or sort of dominating the mix. As a the mix is this like very polished, heavy, rhythmic, um like thunder you get, but just making everything so clearly about the grooves. Further kind of invoking that Nile comparison, we do have some sort of atmospheric touches like the instrumental Crimson Dissension, which is is entirely it's sort of uh folky piece with with bits of like interesting percussion and then like the kind of epic uh kind of keyboards at the end of as new enshrines death but you know this band far more legitimate than nile because they're actually from egypt doing this kind of sound like they have experience with their their sort of the history of their subject matter so yeah it, it just 
it works as a complete package. I think this is something you'll know from the opening minute, whether it's going to be your thing or not. But I, I think it's a really, really great use of those kind of themes mixed with that kind of more accessible, immensely memorable death metal. And coupled with yet another really cool cover art of um, this, this kind of <laughs> royal looking figure attacking a group of people, like, and then some sort of more mythical stuff happening in the background. Yeah, it, it just, I, I think it really fits with the entire feel. So I'm a total fool for invoking Bolt Thrower earlier, because next up we have World Eaters with their debut EP, Grinding Advance, which unsurprisingly has a bit of a Bolt Thrower influence. So something that immediately sold to me is a Canadian band, um, one-man project that play Bolt Thrower influenced death metal and sing about war and Warhammer uh, 40k, which is yeah very very much selling a project to me uh so the guy behind it uh david gupta is credited with guitar bass vocals and drum programming and well the ep has a bit of like a, a demo nature to it it definitely sounds like a one-man project he has put together some fantastically well-written death metal like the immediate like sort of attack of the the opener armored spearhead brackets hellhammer like has all the things you'd want from this kind of project great low vocals hefty like beefy rhythm section like just brilliant catchy death metal riffs the next track expedition slash tomb world even starts with the these drum fills that are very uh reminiscent of their namesake song uh world eater like it's that kind of strange slightly strange timing i don't know it just automatically makes me think of that band like with just that simple kind of touch and on the face of it they're getting all that stuff right but where this really excels and took turns i wasn't expecting in a short like a 20 minute long ep is that same track has this atmospheric middle section where um things like really slow down and then you get the amazing sound of a bass clarinet added in like doing this kind of 
melodic, like, lead-esque piece in the middle of a heavy war-themed death metal album. It's, uh, it's absolutely brilliant. So whereas the Crescent, who we covered before, have, like, a very polished approach to this, this is kind of very kind of raw and fuzzy sounding. The guitars are like really like there's a whole layer of fuzz on top of it. The vocals even have like a kind of distorted edge to it. And and just you can tell this is like a, a sort of one man recording. Like he also sort of mixed and mastered it himself. And actually it sounds really good. Um, only thing I don't get, and I do apologize, but not a fan of the Kate Bush cover at the end of the album. That was a sort of bridge too far in terms of weird ideas. Despite that, though, you still got three tracks and 20 minutes of really sort of well-put-together death metal. Like, it's clearly the very early beginnings of a band. Like, um, they, as I say, it's, it's quite a, a rough and raw release. But I think they're definitely going places and would like to see where they take this in future. And say that, like, coming up with that really weird element to add into this formula definitely... That's something I've not heard before. Right, I think that's a good place to wrap it up for a slightly shorter episode. As I say, there'll be another one coming out fairly soon after this, so we can sort of rush on to episode 100. Um, yeah, if you've got any recommendations in this kind of vein, uh, please let me know, like, good albums you found from 2021 who are yeah, taking on some of those sort of newer death metal band influences and have kind of run with the sound those bands started putting together since you know about 2015 kind of time um you can get in touch at breakfast metal on twitter phil's breakfast metal on facebook or if you want to send like a longer message uh you can email us at us at phil's breakfast metal at gmail.com um and you know if, if you can be bothered to leave a review on itunes those are those are great uh otherwise thanks a lot for listening